We're all still buzzing after Devin Booker's 51.3 quarter night on Wednesday at the Footprint Center. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down why this performance firmly and early places him right smack dab in the middle of the NBA MVP conversation. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Closing out the week here with Devin Booker MVP Talk. So if it's your first time finding us by way of your excitement about Book, go ahead and hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are finding us on. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, we are everywhere. And the best way to support the show is just to go ahead and listen. And the best way to listen is to hit subscribe and get us in your feed every Monday through Friday. If you are on YouTube, hit the bell down below, get a notification every time this show goes up, and drop a comment with your thoughts on Devin Booker's spot in the MVP race. Here's the thing to start with, all right? Book was in the MVP conversation before last night, okay? Before he did 51 and 31 and and all that stuff, before he... Gave me what was honestly one of my best memories in that building. Um, He was there, all right? Um, He's playing the most minutes of his career per game, which is kind of crazy when you consider he was like the only good player on the team a lot of those early years. He is averaging the most points per game. He is averaging his most shot attempts per game. He is averaging a career high in rebounding and close to a career high in assists. It's all there, and the team is at the top of the Western Conference. Last night did not. Last night did not tell us anything we didn't already know about Devin Booker. It was one of the best games of his career, but it didn't. It didn't open up a new world of possibility or rearrange the way we already thought about Book and his value to this team and anything else. He actually got to sit the fourth quarter, so he didn't even play a bunch of minutes last night. He didn't even... The team probably could have beaten the Bulls without Book being crazy. They were up 25 because of it. If if it's a normal game, maybe they're just up 10 and they just win normally, right? But what that performance did is it put him loudly and clearly in the middle of the MVP conversation in... November going into December. It did it earlier than it's ever happened and more more loudly than it's ever happened, all right? Because, yes, Book has had 50-point games before, but this was the first one that came in a win. He has not had a game during the past two-plus seasons when the Suns have been in championship contention as good as the one he had last night. So that's one. It also happened... Way earlier on, I talked all week about how the Chris Paul injury was a little bit of a blessing in disguise for this Suns team, and this was yet another example because Sam Amick, whose article I'm about to talk about in the next segment, he interviewed Booker, and he made a point 
that Chris Paul has now played in less than half of the Suns' total games this season. Book has played in all of them. And so all of that added up to last night where you're this early in a season, the Suns are still at the top of the conference, and Book is getting attention for what he's done leading this team already. Last year, I checked back the week that everybody remembers Booker really entering the big you know, national conversation about winning the MVP award was the last week in March, if you can believe that, which sort of feels crazy, but that's when it happened. It took all the way until basically the end of the year. And there was the, the time Booker was asked about it. I believe the Suns played the Nuggets in a game, and so him going up against Jokic, I think that might have been the game when they got the starting lineup intros wrong, um, if I'm remembering right. And I, did, I think I did three episodes talking about this. And the point that I made back then was it was, it was exciting that the MVP talk was happening because you could see that it was driving Booker to higher heights. I don't think he needs to be driven to higher heights this year in that same way. I think the loss in Game 7 is driving him, and I, I frankly just think he's at the peak of his powers as a, as a talent. But getting discussion, Dan Devine at Yahoo wrote a, a, an article just praising Book up and down. We, we had that interview with Sam Amick, which actually went up after the Kings game, which we already sort of forgot was another 40-plus point game, 44, I, I think it was. We had an article in, or a, an entry in Tom Ziller's newsletter, which a lot of people around the league get. He used to work at SB Nation and just does a morning newsletter. The whole thing was about the Suns aren't... Devin Booker is not legit because the Suns are good. The Suns are good because Devin Booker is legit, which I thought was a very well-put statement. This stuff did not happen in the fall in past seasons, is my point. And as much as we can all complain about how the MVP in this league is... A narrative-based award, how you have to get a story behind you, you have to stack up these little moments along the way, and then voters fall head over heels for you by the end. It's true. We can complain about it, but it's true. And so you can't come into the MVP race in March and win the MVP. You can get fourth place, which is what Booker did last year, right? You have to start early. Book one player of the month for November today. These articles are being written. He's all over social media. His answers in press conferences, his highlights, his everything. It's, it's, it's all anybody in the league can talk about today. And the more of those that you stack up throughout the course of a season, as long as your team is still winning and as long as the numbers are still there, that's what you need to do. Book is doing it. Getting, getting the, the, the machine, the momentum started now. It's part of the game. He's playing the game. He joked with Sam Amick that he's not in this conversation, that he's not in this race, but joke is exactly uh, what it was. On that note, I want to talk about the, the chatter, all right? The, the PR game and 
the way that book can play it. First, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online, the first sponsor of today's show, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis all year long, where you can get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league out there, from football to soccer and, of course, basketball. They've got it all at betonline.net. Suns over-under win total is at 53.5. I believe that's actually up from where it was to start the year, but the Suns are on a 57-58 win pace, so you can hit win totals. You can do some MVP betting if you are so inclined to get in early on book. Bet online, your fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to their website today. That's betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Sam Amick of The Athletic had uh, one of his unplugged series go up uh, Wednesday morning before Booker's virtuoso performance in game uh, in the Bulls game, and it was it was fairly mild. I thought um, you know he's talking about how cool it is to see guys to see fans and and young kids line up to meet him and to watch him on road games and everything else, and a little bit about the craziness of the season, but he he politically maneuvered his way out of really giving too much there. What I thought was the most interesting part is sort of his sarcasm here about the MVP race. Amick asked him, you're fourth in voting last year, best player on the best team in the West. This time around, you're in the mix and playing some incredible ball, but is that award something that gets you up in the morning in terms of goals? Book says no. Sam Amick asks him, how do you see yourself within that race? And Book says, oh, I'm not even in that race. I just let these people say what they want. I focus on hoops only. In the beginning of the article, Amick does indicate that um, he smiled, laughed when he said that. When Book said, I'm not even in that race, it was, it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, right? And he goes on to ask him, he just says, I'm giving you the microphone. Like, basically, tell me what you think. And so what Book says is, historically speaking, if you look at last year, somebody else might have gotten MVP in that situation if it wasn't me. Best team in the league with whatever level of production, but the criteria changes, the media changes. I think it's good for the NBA, but there's just certain people that they want to push more than others. And that's just the nature of life. I want to dissect some of it and... Honestly, my bigger point has nothing to do with the specifics. It's about Booker pressing on the gas a little bit more. But that last line did catch my attention. Um, and I don't quite think Booker's right. And this is going to lead into what he needs to do to, to, to get, to become the person that people want to push, quote unquote, if that's how he sees it. I think that's more about the individual players doing the pushing than, than it is the media just picking people. And here's what I mean by that. Nikola Jokic is far from the marketable, famous, popular guy that the NBA would, would have some sort of vested interest in. I'm not saying that the NBA doesn't like Nikola Jokic or see him as a positive part of what people should be rooting for if they love basketball and they love the NBA. Of course he is. He's awesome to watch. His highlight reel and his knowledge of the game, his IQ are incredible. Nuggets fans love him. He's a throwback player. He's a, a, a new kind of player, but he's none of the things that sell, right? Like, you know, if John Morant won MVP last year on a Grizzlies team that was worse than Phoenix and that played, won a lot of games without him and his stats didn't quite add up, stack up with 
other players, sure, I could buy Booker's argument here. Like, I felt personally like Ja was being overrated in a lot of awards talk, whether it was All-NBA or MVP, because he's so spectacular, because he makes these highlight plays, he makes these clutch plays, because he's so fun to watch, he, he's infectious. So I think that could have been an argument, right? But, but Nikola Jokic... Joel Embiid, these are not players that are like centerpiece guys in the league that are on commercials and and being featured in ESPN talk shows and all that stuff. So I don't think that that's what it was about. I think I think his individual stats and the fact that Booker was on other excellent teams, the fact that he missed a little bit of time, the fact that he didn't have these moments throughout the season. I think that's what it was. The Suns were, and I talked about this a lot last year, right? The Suns were so routinely great. They were able to get production and excellence and dominance from so many places that it didn't stand out that, okay, Booker should be rewarded for what this team is doing. And that's kind of what you have to be. And I think the league, as Booker did note, the criteria changes, the media changes, I think that's that's for sure. We are definitely seeing a change where the it's kind of like baseball more and more where the the value statistically the value from this team would be bad and now it's good or now it's better than good, great potentially. The one guy who can be that difference tends to stand out. I do think the way that the league is now looking at MVP it does punish players who are on deep, great, balanced teams like Booker is. So he's right there. I think he's wrong to say certain people want to be pushed or, or get pushed by people with some sort of vested interest in them. Because if Jokic, if that was the case, Jokic would not have won MVP back-to-back. What I meant when I said Booker has more control over this than he realizes is, in a way, interviews like this. Like, I know he was being cheeky. I know he was being coy. But he knew what he was doing, right? He's getting asked about it, and he's he's deflecting it. Maybe in November, that's okay. What he needs to do is take it head on. I know people rolled their eyes at Joel Embiid last season and the year before for overdoing it. And I think that's fair. But I think Embiid struggled with a few things. One, I don't think the level... I think people are put off by the way Embiid plays the game. He plays to get fouled a lot of the time. He, When he gets tired and very and, and checked out, it can be very noticeable. And so when you're the guy that's simultaneously talking about your qualifications for being the most valuable player in the league and also you are having red flags go up about your level of commitment or discipline or whatever, those things don't go hand in hand. Booker, though, is exactly the type of player who can walk the walk with this stuff. And so I actually think his tone needs to change as the season goes along if this is something that matters to him, and why would it not be? He needs to not take the bait and overdo it and say, I'm the MVP, everybody come at me, because I think there's a lot of good candidates already. Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, those guys are going to be there. Two of those are in Booker's conference. If he finishes above them, you can put that in his case. He just won 
uh, Western Conference Player of the Month over those two players, largely because he won so much. But his tone needs to change. And I think it will. One final point on this. If you look at Davon Wade, Booker's brother, he's pretty active on social media, which is a fun part of being a Suns fan. I'm sure you know that already if you followed this team for a long enough. And I want to get the tweet right, so I'm gonna I'm actually gonna pull it up. But he basically said he confirmed what was what was pretty obvious, I think, if you're watching. These, these players, um, if you're watching anything Book has ever done. But he said that, where are we here? He, he basically called out Jason Tatum, called out Luka Doncic. Not, not those guys specifically, but said he watched those two players get put above. Yeah, I think he deleted the tweet. Get put above Booker in so much of this conversation... And that that drove him. Yes, he did delete the tweet. Um, I retweeted on the Lockdown Suns account. You might have seen it yesterday. But that needs to drive Booker. Yes, Luka Doncic is doing everything. The league doesn't tend to reward those types of do-it-all players. Harden only won one MVP, and it took his team winning 60-plus games. Jokic is one MVP being the best player by far on his team, but it's because he was able to make those players better, not because he piled up stats. And so I think you're already like the, the player of the month thing is a good start. I know that's chosen by the league, whereas MVP is chosen by media. But Booker needs to drive that point home even more. We are winning games. I am producing. I am driving winning. I am making the, the, my teammates better. And that's what it is. I think that he needs to continue to hit that. He needs to continue to make it known. And that'll be the way, in addition to these huge moments, that he drives the narrative uh, toward himself being firmly in that conversation. Want to close out the show with some thoughts on, on James Jones' promotion, why this new title for him, this promotion, yet again for him, recommitment from the franchise, just affirms that James Jones is the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk about that in one after one quick break. James Jones was promoted from general manager of the Phoenix Suns to president of basketball operations. He will apparently retain the title of general manager as well. He doesn't intend to hire somebody to fill that. However, um, the Suns have done so much hiring in the front office lately, whether it's another assistant general manager in Morgan Cato or some of their analytics positions, etc. Basketball, uh, basketball operations, just team. So I don't think any of that is particularly huge because here's the thing. James Jones, this title is just catching up to what he already was. And he kind of said it in his first uh, in his first quote when he spoke to media this week. He said, uh, it just allows me the freedom mentally to dedicate more time to kind of the macro vision for the franchise as well as continuing to be a steward of the micro cycle of this team. So it's an honor, honestly, but to me, it's just another day at the office. I don't think I, I, I'm going to be able to put it much better than that, so I'll just let his words speak for themselves. James Jones is the Phoenix Suns. He received, an ex he, he got hired in 2018. In 2017, sorry, he got hired. 
He became the general manager in the fall of 2018. He received an extension before Monty Williams did. He now gets this promotion. He took a very front front seat. He took the highest profile position when it came to speaking about Robert Sarver on media day and every and everywhere else in in interviews, etc. And this franchise is 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 built in his image. If you talk to people in this organization, his name will come up without a doubt. Even if it's not like anything about him specifically, what is how does the team think about X? How does the team want to approach Y? People will start to answer you and then they'll inevitably speak up and say, well, James thinks this. James guides us in this direction. James views it this way. And so that's been the case for a very long time at this point. I would say, you know, probably it was cemented by the the run in 2021, but building the young core the way that he did, nailing the Chris Paul trade, turning this franchise around from basement dwelling to a team that Chris Paul even wanted to come come to and then to a team that could make the NBA finals. I mean, it speaks for itself. We've all been talking about it for years, but that's why things are the way that they are with this organization is because of him. He hired Monty Williams. Like Monty is the guy who's who's front and center because he has to be. The teams uh, agree to this these rules. Coaches have to talk, right? But uh, Jones is the guy, and that's going to continue going forward. You know, he was asked about his working relationship with interim team governor Sam Garvin. He was, he said it, it's been good. He's been he's been pleasantly. Uh, you know, okay and, and happy with how everything is. But if you look forward to when this team is sold, yes, there will be some hotshot billionaire who comes in and, and wants to kind of strut his stuff and make his presence felt. But if if that person knows anything about what they're doing here, they will they will understand that backing off and letting Jones continue to be the alpha and the omega of this of this franchise is the smartest thing to be. Like to me, Jones is on a pathway similar to what Masai Ujiri is. It's sort of wild to think, too, that that Jones is so young. But when you just think about what he's what he's been in his career, he's been a, a great, like, this This stuff can be over, overrated or overlooked, but I, I think it matters. Like, he was a great student academically when he was in school. He then was in the union when he was a player. He's been on all these championship teams. He went right into executive work he then became a general manager very young and it feels to me like he's on this Masai Ujiri path where before long you know he's 42 now maybe by the time he's 50 he he seems well on his way to becoming a president of a team like that's what Masai Ujiri is now I, I believe he's actually president of the uh the 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 sports and entertainment group that owns the Raptors. He he runs the whole operation. And Jones feel like feels like he could be headed there. He is really focused the past few months on on overhauling this organization, you know, capital O, like I said, they've done a ton of hiring. They obviously have the practice facility in place now, the new arena. They have a winning pedigree. 
He re-signed Devin Booker on the Supermax extension. It feels like he's paving the way for what this is going to be. He, he set it in stone, and now he's molding it, crafting it, honing it, honing it. So this promotion was just, it was, it was well-earned. It was, it was more than earned. And, and he's, 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 he's benefiting from the fruits of his own labor. This is not, uh, this is not Sam Garvin or anyone else trying to make some sort of statement of we're committed. No, they would be ridiculous to not be committed. This is them compensating and rewarding James Jones for everything he's already done. That'll do it for the week of shows here on Locked On Suns. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Friday to close out your week. We'll be back Monday. Rockets game here on Friday night. More to talk about, I'm sure. I think there's a Spurs game on Sunday. So I will be back with you on Monday. In the meantime, go make Locked On Sports today your second listen here on this Friday to catch up on everything going on around the whole world of sports. That show is available on all podcast platforms, and I will talk to you all next week.